Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Your girl is a homebody, so one of the best parts of the day for me is when I can come home, put on my comfy pajamas, get snuggled up on the couch, and enjoy something to drink while catching up on a TV show. The thing is, though, that I don't want to drink wine all the time because, though I love it, I'm no longer a huge wine drinker like I was back in the day. I have morning headaches and even inflammation to thank for that. So to help fill that gap, I've been enjoying Recess Mood as a guilt-free way to unwind. Recess Mood really is a vibe, y'all. There are only 20 calories per serving, no added sugar, and it's infused with stuff I like, including mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, which really helps me to relax after a high-energy day. Recess Mood has four delicious flavors to choose from. My personal fave is Strawberry Rose. If one of your goals in 2024 is to drink less alcohol, this is the way. Give Recess Mood a try today and see how relaxed it helps you feel. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. And then six months later, what I realized is that I was so um, indoctrinated to just overworking that that space had to be filled. And I started doing advocacy work And um, I actually, six months later, um, was unable to walk. I um, suddenly couldn't use my right side. And I found out I got hospitalized. And I found out I had multiple sclerosis. And I had an autoimmune condition. And that is where we say that what doesn't kill you (laughs) makes you sicker. Where it's the idea that if we don't nip this in the bud, if we don't start to recognize that we can ask for help, that we can, that we need to put boundaries in place, that we need to say no, those kind of things, which I know we'll probably talk about, then it now becomes a space where we're dysregulating our bodies and potentially causing like um, an irreparable harm. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Brown Girls Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree. I'm the host of the show. As you heard from that snippet at the beginning, um, have a guest on today. I had the pleasure of being in conversation with Dr. Omalara back in April on a Brown Girl Self-Care Live we held together on Zoom. This is an amazing episode. It is a little long, you know, um, but the conversation was just so good that I was like, you know what, I'm not going to edit this conversation Oh, child, let me tell you. Well, first of all, let me say happy belated Mother's Day. If you celebrated, if you didn't celebrate, if you um, just didn't really know how to feel, just know that I, I feel you, I see you, I am you, I understand. I hope that you were able to find some time yesterday, excuse me, on Sunday 
that brought you some kind of peace and joy, if nothing else, that that is definitely my prayer and my wish for you. So back to this episode, we are talking about a lot of things in this episode, um, including using your voice and the importance of using your voice, especially if you are introverted, like I am introverted, and she actually was introverted as well. There's a lot of us out there, y'all. Don't get it twisted. There's a lot of introverts out there. (laughs) But yeah, we talked about that. Um, We also talked about listening to your body. And and of course, it automatically goes into talking about um, like superwoman syndrome. I mean, we talked a lot about a lot of different stuff. This is a really jam-packed episode that I do not want you to miss. So make sure that you have a pen and a piece of paper handy because towards the middle or end, we do talk about maybe two or three book resources that you may want to go ahead and grab um, from your local Black-owned bookstore or from Amazon that are going to be great reads if you're trying to figure out like what your purpose is or really get further clarification on why we do not need to work ourselves into the ground with super superwoman syndrome. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this episode. You are really going to love Dr. Omalara, so let's go ahead and get into it right now. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Omalara Wemadimo. I am a mom, a wife. I am also a, a pediatrician, a board-certified pediatrician, but have moved into my new act and my newest purpose, which is really around um, becoming an empowerment coach and also a pivot strategist for women, Black women in medicine in particular, and then also entrepreneurs and other professionals. And so that is the work I do. I also own a group practice um, where we focus on really integrating community, integrating physical health services into disadvantaged communities um, by partnering with community-based organizations. So those are the kind of the two hats you know, that I spend most of my life, my time in other than my personal life. And I'm really excited to talk about burnout and kind of my survival survivor story as well. Um, so thank you again, Bree. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm glad that you reached out to connect because this topic of conversation is so important for Black women. And it's really timely because this month, if I'm not mistaken, is National Stress Awareness Month. Um, yeah, mental, yes, Mental Health Awareness Month and also Minority Health Month. Oh, okay. See, so we yeah. got all the health stuff going on in the and month. And Maternal Health Week on the, on the Black, Black Maternal Health Week on yeah. the week of the 12th. Yeah, so a lot. A lot going on right now. And I'm glad that they're making space for, for that and for these conversations to be had because mental health has always been or it's usually so like hush hush. It's not something that we have conversations around, at least not in the previous generations. You know, we had to be like strong, that that strong narrative that we've all heard about. And we have in our own families, in our family dynamics. And sometimes we're that person that has to be the strong person, the strong support system for our families. So I'm glad we're able to have conversations like this, especially because so many of us are in that professional role, okay? We're a mom, we're a wife, we're nurturers, we're taking care of our families, and we're nine to five in, and we're side hustling, and we're starting businesses, and we have brands that we're kind of thinking about building, and 
look, I just have to sigh because speaking from personal experience, like I have a teenager, she's 18. I'm a single mom. So that has its own set of challenges, but I can't even imagine what it is like, for example, for black women that have multiple children and they're like toddlers or, you know, still in school, not even high school, still in like elementary school or junior high or babies. Um, they're married, they're juggling all these things, right? So that's what I want to talk about. And can you kind of relate to that? Oh, how, uh, yeah, how can I not? I think that you know, I think I'm really glad that you brought up the strong black woman trope because that one has specific three specific pieces that I think are really important to delineate, right? It has the emotional suppression, right? So that even if I am struggling, if I even if I am hurting or I'm upset or things aren't, I don't have the opportunity to share that. And so that, of course, contributes to some of the pieces that we're going to talk about with burnout. And then also that um, almost that kind of caregiving to the point even of self-sacrifice, right, to the point of your own potential detriment as that second piece. And that third piece of that it sounds weird, but that uber independence, right? That I don't need anyone to help me as I self-sacrifice and caregive for the whole entire world mm -hmm. and keep my feelings of resentment and frustration and everything to myself. And so when we see those three things play, I mean, I've seen it happen with my mom, with my grandmothers, with everyone. And I think the thing is, it's like, is something that we just seem to think that is supposed to be a norm. It's just the norm. It's just the, and, and it's, we normalize that as something that just has to be like that, um, specifically for us. And I think that is kind of the precursor into burnout, I would say, um, which has its own sort of, of pieces that, that, that distinguish it from just being tired or exhausted. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, like, I know that we have their stress, and sometimes stress actually is very beneficial, um, but we operate as black black people, uh, specifically black women, we operate in that level of stress that's just like consistent when it's not, stress wasn't intended to be that. Mm -hmm. But so much trauma has taken place, excuse me, so much trauma has taken place. Um, and so we just end up being in a constant state of, what is it, fight or flight? And freeze, right? And freeze. So just also kind of not like staying, just trying to just not move and, and stay stagnant. Yeah. And, you know, we've also seen what it does. Like we actually know that that stress has caused uh, telomeres, right? The ends of the chromosomes that it actually caused a shortening of the ends of the chromosomes, which are correlated with our life expectancy. So if you look at the same age of a white woman and a black woman and look at their actual chromosomes, there's a shortening, meaning up to seven years, we're seven years older, like mm -hmm. according to our chromosomes. And that has to do with that chronic stress, but also that medical underservicing, right? Where we're not believed. So even if we're stressed and even if we're also having physical symptoms from it, we're not believed, we're dismissed, we're devalued. And that's the perfect storm for the things that we call weathering that like starts to take a toll on our bodies and the metabolism and um, the joint pains and the headaches and all of those things. So I think it's just, you know, it's just kind of fighting back on that mantra of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And recognizing that, oh yeah, but what doesn't kill you makes you sicker, much sicker. 
And, you know, that's, I think that has been a wake up call from, for me, definitely in, in my personal life and journey. Wow. So many things I want to ask you. So many things <laughs> you said in just a minute I want to talk about, but let me try to get my thoughts together. So, um, yeah, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's like, I don't know who made that up, but it definitely wasn't for black people. Whoever, whoever was, whoever said that it, it wasn't like <laughs> said with us in mind because, and then also the whole thing you said about how we, because you know, the saying black don't crack. Obviously you do. And do on we, the inside. <laughs> because we looking fierce and fabulous on the outside, but on the inside where it really counts with our health and how long our life expectancy is on this earth, you know? Um, which is important to me because I know that all of us, we have a purpose here. We have a reason for being here. We have jobs that we have to do or we were put here to do, whatever that looks like for you, you know, but how can we fulfill our legacy if our life is significantly cut short, especially compared to everybody else? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think it's really important as we have this conversation that, you know, as Black women, it's kind of very easy to be like, well, I got it, you know, I got it. And and kind of sitting in this space of understanding that, yeah, I'm tired sometimes, but I'm not burnt out. That sounds dramatic. And I think one of the things that is really important is to extend kind of what does that mean and what the distinction is, because, it, it's important for us not to look at burnout as, well, I'm not that, so let me, so I'm still okay. And I think that we have to really start recognizing that the, that, that burnout piece is like the last, you, we don't want to be there. That is a space where it's like the damage has been done. And now this is kind of a point where it's going to take a lot of work to get back from because it includes so many things. It includes that emotional exhaustion, but also something that we call depersonalization, which is like basically you're dehumanizing kind of the interactions that happen, even those you are in service for, right? You're just like, you know, as a physician, I might see patients and just be like, okay, well, you know, this person, she wants this medicine or it's, there's no, that connection to their humanity starts to get lost, right? Because I'm so, I don't have any emotions, I'm exhausted. And the other piece of it is also this idea where you're also kind of reducing your accomplishments. So even when you do do things, it feels like it's minimal, it's, it's you, you're minimizing it. And it also doesn't give you that joy because you feel like you're not really making a difference in the way that you thought you were. And so that is the space that we get to in burnout. And so sometimes some of us see emotional exhaustion and we kind of normalize it. But if we're not careful, we can get to that space where as an entrepreneur, as a professional, the way that we want to serve, because most of us are in these jobs really to serve, that we start to lose sight of that and start to detach from that. And that is kind of a space where we're hoping we don't even have to like start to get to. Yeah, that <laughs> I think, or I know that I've experienced burnout. I, I believe it's possible, or would you say it's possible to experience burnout more than once in your life? Because oh, I yeah. feel like I've been burned out several times oh. in my life. Um, and I heard an interesting quote, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of burnout basically means that you're giving of yourself 
uh, you're you're giving of yourself when you don't have the nest you don't have the tools or the resources to give like you're just empty but mm-hmm. you're serving you're giving of yourself but you don't have it to give you know yeah. what I mean completely and and, and Bria I was just gonna say like I feel like most of us pour from that empty cup instead of pouring from overflow right right, uh, right? and so I think you're right I think that's exactly the the analogy that comes to mind. So what really is in, in your, cause you are a professional, like what exactly is burnout? Can you explain that? Yeah, so I mean, burnout is a syndrome of those three things I mentioned. So really <laughs> what, it, what, it, what it is, is, is basically when we see those three things come together and manifest in a person, in a human being. So it's not going to be something that I can take a lab test for or anything like that. But, and it also doesn't mean that it's going to show up as a depression or anxiety or potentially, but what we do see when we recognize, usually the biggest one that we recognize is the emotional exhaustion or the one that people feel. The other two people tend to not recognize just because it is a little bit painful to recognize that maybe I'm, I'm not serving people or seeing them as human anymore or or recognizing that my work is not actually, like I don't get the joy or satisfaction from doing that. That's a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're devoting yourself as much as entrepreneurs um, devote themselves to their work. Um, So, but those are the, the places. So when you notice now that I'm not just exhausted, but like, honestly, like I really like don't have any connection to this right now. Like I, I can't even feel the joy that I used to feel from it. Um, that is a signature case of, of burnout. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was gonna ask you like, what are some of the signs of, of burnout? Like, like if there was a checklist that had a few things, like what are some of the signs where you can be like, you know what, looking back, I was totally burned out or you know what, right now I am definitely experiencing burnout because I, don't, I think sometimes we do just kind of, we tend to brush things off. And we just keep going. We keep powering through because that is what society has shown us. Our value is in how much we can do, how much we can give, how strong we can be, how we can be the perfect employee or, you know, dot, dot, dot. But I think we sometimes don't take the opportunity to like check in with ourselves and our feelings and our bodies or, or just situations. So if there were like a few things um, that were like clear signs, like, sis, you need to go sit down somewhere because you burnt out. You are crispy. <laughs> you crispy. Okay. <laughs> go have several seats and part yourself. Um, what are some of the signs that, um, one might look for or notice? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I always reflect back personally and of course it's not exactly how I presented, but some things like I experienced burnout in 2018 and, Um, A few of the things that were really important was one, of course, that first piece, which is just the the tiredness, like you're noticing you're kind of always tired. It's not just like, oh, I did that long day. Like it feels like you don't have the capacity to really do much. Like after maybe working for an hour, you're already kind of feeling like, oh, I can't do this. Anxiety and irritability are huge, especially irritability at people who honestly usually make you happy. <laughs> so, or, 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 or people who normally potentially 
are people who bring joy to you. Um, um, a lot of people, when they experience burnout, burnt out people feel like the littlest thing kind mm-hmm. of ticks them off. I think the big, one of the bigger pieces is that, that joy, that lack of joy and almost kind of dreading your, your work and dreading serving people if whatever the work is that you're doing, just dreading that. Um, another piece is as you move into the the space that you're feeling um, burnt out, you might start to feel feel physical symptoms. A lot of times, because of that, because we're we a lot of times normalize emotional suppression. The way things come out are physically, and that can be pains, headaches, joint joints. Um, a lot of people have actually seen true high blood pressure, which is a real issue because you can't, we, it's a silent killer. We can't, we don't actually know. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it also can be easily easy distractions. So basically just your mind wandering, um, quite a lot in terms of when you're trying to settle down and focus on the work you're doing. So it can really manifest in different ways, but I would say the, the clear sign is that exhaustion and that lack of connection or joy in the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I definitely, and I, and I, if you've experienced, like, for the ladies that are in the, um, I guess, audience, if you will, if you have any questions, by the way, make sure that you pop them into the chat, but if you have experienced burnout, let us know in the comments and tell us about that so I can have a look and read, read your comments, but you mentioned, Dr. Omolara, that you experienced burnout in 2018, and yeah. I know that you said you're a wife, a mom, a doctor, an entrepreneur. You got you got your hand in a lot of bags, right? You you are securing <laughs> you are securing all the bags. So, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, um, it was surreal because I'm a pediatrician. Okay, so it's hard not to like love your job because all you get to do is play with kids all day and um and hopefully like help parents and I think what happened was um I was that was before I actually entered entrepreneurship I was an academic pediatrician so that meant they want you to be a triple threat um not that like other triple threat but clinic you have to be a good uh physician you also have to be an educator you also have to do research and I was doing all of that and very well. Um, however, I was noticing that I would stay, it was a lot of perfectionism and people pleasing. And, and I feel like that was kind of the core of the reason why I wasn't doing that up to a certain point. I was doing that throughout my days, right? So ultimately I was leaving work at midnight, like trying to finish notes. Um, I was uh, showing up, making sure um, that, you know, every dot, every T was crossed and every I was dotted and ultimately not spending enough time with my family. And so the burnout happened when I went into a room and, you know, I remember like going into my thing and just dreading it and seeing my patient and just kind of going through the motions. There was no like joy. I was just like, okay, this is the, and I was like, I cannot I have to remove myself because this is not how I want to serve people. So I learned, I I recognized it and I was like, I have to remove myself. But what happened was I removed myself from clinical medicine just to get a breather and get some space. And then six months later, what I realized is that I was so um, indoctrinated to just overworking that that space had to be filled. And I started doing advocacy work. And um, I actually, six months later, um, was unable to walk. 
I um, suddenly couldn't use my right side and I found out I got hospitalized and I found out I had multiple sclerosis and I had an autoimmune condition. And that is where we say that what doesn't kill you makes you sicker, where it's the idea that if we don't nip this in the bud, if we don't start to recognize that we can ask for help, that we can, that we need to put boundaries in place, that we need to say no, those kind of things, which I know we'll probably talk about, then it now becomes a space where we're dysregulating our bodies and potentially causing like um, an irre irreparable harm. Um, now I have a chronic disorder that there's medicine for, but it's not curable. And I think that this is really important and this is the danger and why I'm so passionate about making sure that us as Black women specifically are um, not putting ourselves in that in that situation. Wow. I just saw my face on the screen. I realized that I'm frowning um, just hearing your story. So hopefully <laughs> that frown, you didn't think it was it was directed at you, but just listening to what you're saying and how your body, because our bodies, they definitely talk to us, they respond, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes we either willfully choose to ignore because we're like, I'm just gonna push through or we don't recognize what our body is saying because we're just not in tune, you know, with our bodies, our spirits and Wow, I, I, I'm just blown away, honestly, at your your candidness to share the fact that your will to push through, um, even though you were like, you know, what, I'm going to slow down, but then it just kicked in. And you're like, now, all of a sudden, I'm in charge of even probably even more than what I was before. Just it just looks different. You know what I mean? I, I got to keep going. I'm getting all these responsibilities and your body pushed back and was like, no. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. How, how was that for you when you realized that, and I hope this is not too personal, but like, how was that for you when you realized that what was going on with your body and, and how it was exasperated by what you, you know, were going through? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as someone, so the early part of my career has been glo it's global health. So I worked um, like eight, nine countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, in Latin America. And so I was always traveling, always outside of the country in my uh, pre-mommy life um, and in medicine. And I, and um, you, you would never see, I would never sit still. I could never sit. I was like, okay, let me go. And so the, the way I, I'm, I'm a Christian and I think about God in a way that, you know, sometimes they're whispers and they're like, slow down sit down. Okay. I'm trying to be nice. And then didn't I tell you to sit down, right? It's a real loud, <laughs> right? And I think one of the things was, he was like, you need to sit down. I told you, I tried to be nice and now you're not going to be able to walk. And literally finding myself in a hospital where I had no clue why my right arm and right leg were no longer working. Um, and um, having to literally now the person who would do everything for herself had to literally be pushed into the back to help move her to the bathroom, to move her here, move her there. My and, and the first time I was really separated from my kid from my kids for a while. So it helped me put things in perspective of I was doing all the things, but for who? And, you know, it makes me think it made me start to think about, wow, like I was living my life for everyone else but me, not realizing when I was living for me that that would be the thing that would potentially help 
other people. Like, you know, in the way that I wanted to, that would be a model for people. I'd show up better, but no, I was kind of, you know, diminishing myself and diminishing the things I valued in replace and replacing them with what everyone else valued. And my brother asked me a question when I was in the hospital bed and I knew this was bad. He asked me, oh, I didn't mention that when I got hospitalized, they took my they took my work and gave it to five people. They had to disseminate it to five people. And then I had brought my computer to the hospital. I was like, I know I can't use this arm, but I can use this arm. And 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 like as soon as I opened the computer, I got dizzy and nauseous. And it was like, no, no. And I and so that was how bad it was for me. And my my brother asked me, he was like, Oh Malara aside from everyone else, what gives you joy? Mm -hmm. I couldn't answer. And that's how I knew it was really bad. I was like, if I'm not this to everyone else, I have nothing to define myself. And that was when I said, I need to go on this, I need to go on this journey to, because I think so often we do things like code switching, we do things like people pleasing, perfectionism, and what happens is we detach because we're showing everybody the thing that we think they'll like, the person, the omelara that they think they'll like, we forget what is it that I like? What is it that I value? What is it that I believe? <laughs> you you don't even, you start to remove yourself. And that is the danger. And that was the self-discovery part that I think is so core in treating burnout. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy that you now I want to scold you and get on your case and I know this is a long time ago in 2018 but the fact that you still trying to work but that's that I don't know it's an inherent like there's just something within us and I'm sure thanks to like racism oppression our heritage our, our ancestors how they were treated how how they were shown their value you know which was the labor in building this country AKA picking cotton and, and doing other things for this country. Like I can see why we have been raised generation after generation after generation, though slavery has been abolished. Well, there still is modern day slavery, obviously, but I'm saying slavery, slavery has been abolished, but even though it's been abolished, it's still, it's like, we still have it in our DNA, if that makes sense. It's still there. Yeah, it's, it's a fear. <laughs> Right, Bree, it's a fear of being abandoned or rejected, right? That's where people pleasing imperfectionism comes from because it's kind of like if they know who I am or if 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 it seems like I'm not bringing my computer or doing the work, right? I'm going to be maligned or whatever figure out whatever it is instead of understanding that we're inherently valuable despite if I don't do anything, I'm an inherently valuable human being. And we've indoctrinated ourselves. And also, I'm the mom of two girls, a six and an eight-year-old. Honestly, like constantly, if we don't actively do it, indoctrinating our kids to the same idea that, you know, oh, uh, well, you know, work twice as hard, do this. And we indoctrinate ourselves to overproducing and undervaluing ourselves um, and holding it in comparison to this you know, white supremacist thought of, okay, this is what the norm is. And unfortunately, because of your skin, you actually, you need to do more work. And what that does, those messages now start to equate to 
I got to overproduce because if I don't overproduce and I'm, I got to, and the way I'm defined, the way I'm valuable is by what I produce and how much of it I produce rather than me just being here on this earth. Um, yeah. So I think that's really, that's been a big contributor. I think at least in, as I do the deep work of trying to unravel, <laughs> unravel this daily. Right. I was going to say like, how do we even do that? Because as a black person or, I mean, we're all black on this most likely. Um, it's like we collectively, you know, black women, we, we're pumping each other up. We're trying to hold space for each other. And we're like, yes, sis, leave that stuff until tomorrow or tell your job dot, 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 or take that vacation time, take that sick day. You know what I mean? Don't feel like you need to work quadruple the amount of labor that your counterpart is doing while we're making less money, by the way. Um, but it, it, I find that it's hard because there's only so much that we can do when society's standard for black women, because we don't make the standard. The standard has already been made. So on the one hand, we want to teach our children that, hey, it's rest. It's okay to not, you know, to, to have autonomy over your body, to, 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 when you're tired, to rest, to not push yourself in every case till you're just, you know what I'm saying, ready to lose your mind. But then I'm just trying to figure out what the solution is because these employers, these jobs, the society, the, the narrative is, it, it's not our work to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. I think one of the things that I've thought about is the fact that ultimately, right, um, I love Ijeoma Oluo's book, right, um, Mediocre, um, that came out, which was the legacy of the white man in America. Um, and I think that one thing for us to note is that I remember my friend saying this. He was like, when I was out on leave, she was like, gosh, if, you know, even even if we just get 10% of you, that would be like, you know, over and above like what so many of the people who are working on the team right now with, with her while in my absence. And I, and I thought about that and I was like, yeah, actually that's true. Like, so why can't I put in some boundaries in place and start to recognize, I would say I have like four things that I think are really important. I think the first thing is the self-awareness piece and getting really clear on your values. Mm -hmm. Because I think that um, we have a belief about what we think we value and our life actually tells us what we value in terms of where we spend our time. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like I value paperwork and I value the research a lot more than my kids, my husband, God, everything else that I was doing my life, even though that would that I would say that it's flipped, right? And so what are the steps that once you recognize what those values are, right? What are the steps that you need to make to align your life? Like what are the smaller steps? So you don't have to do everything at once, but like are my making inroads to actually like make my real values, the ones that my life shows. Uh, more congruent with my my beliefs, my my desired values. I think the other piece is the vision, right? I think I never, I was just trying to get through the day. And I think, I think 
now as an entrepreneur, I think it's really important for us to be very clear about what the vision is, even if we don't, and I'm talking about 15 year visions, like I'm talking about vision, vision, because even if we don't get there, it just helps us to know what we need to cultivate right now and spend our time on now that is to a place where we want to go. And when we're making space for, you know, it's hard because it's hard to say no, if you don't know what you're making space for. Right. And so when I know, OK, I want to be financially free. So I'm looking at a bank account. I invested in this thing. Then no, nope, I'm no, because that's going to interrupt my time for this because I know it's going to get me here. But many of us are doing the reactive planning where it's just like, you know, looking in the rearview mirror while driving. Right. OK, what? well, this is where I went before. So I'll just do that instead of that inventive planning. I think that's extremely important and having your village and right, gosh, this village is so important. So I think, I, I think that a lot of us, um, you know, are taught like that we can't, we can't reveal that. That's not, that's not meant to be revealed to people, but how do, who are the people that are going to hold us accountable? Who was the person that going to tell me, oh, my God, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. You're doing hashtag all the things. Can you please stop? <laughs> Right. So those are the kind of things that I think are extremely important, but all of it is reflection. And if we're not looking at our lives and making space to do that, then it'll probably, it probably won't happen. Like we probably won't, won't focus on those things. It's okay to be skeptical and to question things that don't quite sound true. Like the time that I was dating someone that was trying to earn cool points, so told me he liked every single TV show that I did, but then couldn't tell me any of the names of the characters on these shows he claimed to love. Like seriously? If something seems too good to be true, do some digging before you invest your time, energy, or money. This is why when it comes to my health, I use Ritual because they know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our high standards. Their clinically backed essential for women 18 plus multivitamin has high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. These multivitamins are gentle on my stomach and are so easy for me to take. It's crucial that I trust what I'm putting into my body. So I love that Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, which is a huge deal. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash self-care. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash self-care for 25% off. Okay, so what do Gail Anderson, Oprah Winfrey, and Big Boy have in common? These are three people in media who back in the day showed me that my dreams were possible. These visionaries paved the way for me to take a huge chance on myself by sharing my voice in the podcasting space. Black representation in media didn't happen by chance. We had to fight for the right to be heard, to be seen, to share our stories, and to take up space. Imagine if you could have some of the power, richness, and depth of the Black experience in one curated space. You can. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment, as well as perspective of the culture in real time. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Conversations ranging from Abbott Elementary to mental health to Tracy Ellis Ross, there is no limit to the range you will find on Black Stories, Black Truths. 
Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Hmm. So definitely village is important. You know, we, we, I mean, all those things that you said, having your vision, keep, keep staying in alignment with your purpose, having that village is important. Um, what would you say for women that feel, because I, I, I feel like I hear oftentimes that Black women don't feel like they can have a village yeah. because yeah. they feel like they've been ostracized maybe by their community mm-hmm. or they're like, they, they feel like, you know, I've had so many negative experiences. For example, I've, I hear this so much. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. I have so many ex- negative experiences with, with other Black women that I feel like I just can't, you know, dot, dot, dot. So, like, if you had any advice, like, what would you say to that Black woman that's that's struggling to be in community so that she can have a safe space to help resist burnout? Yeah, I mean, I would say your village doesn't have to be everybody right everybody and everyone but I think that most of us can talk can either talk through one or two people that we feel like close to already and I think it takes progress just like I mean it takes work so just like the same way that you know we haven't like there have been certain situations and you kind of had to kind of like just brush off and try the next I think it's hard for us to think about I've had this bad experience, right? But what is the potential opportunity? And maybe first you're starting to, as you're meeting people, maybe you're not putting out everything, but you're starting to think about strategically, do I need a peer? Okay, do I have a peer? Like, do I have somebody who's going through this with me? And and just like literally one person, starting with one person, do I have a guide? Somebody like thinking about what is it you want to accomplish? And do I have somebody who's done that or has gone through that? That's two people. Do I have a support? One person who is just going to kind of like help with the fam or help me to like, you know, not appear, but just help with, you know, I can call and be like, can you see my, can you call, can you know, take care of my kid for like two hours while I run do this or whatever that is. And then do I have in mind the beneficiary? Who is the person that I'm trying to help? And why that's important is that if you have somebody who you want, who you're trying to impact, that is in that circle, it keeps you motivated in the work that you're doing, but also keeps you understanding kind of why you need to make space and not burn out and like literally have that team because you're always in connection with the people who are actually gonna benefit or one person who's gonna benefit. I say keep it small. And then as you start to know people, a lot of times your network will bring you into networks and like, likes, like, right? So usually the people you like are kind of in networks that are are connected to other people that you like. And sometimes they're not. But I think it's really important not to, to poo-poo this because we're relational beings. We need that. And look, we're ancestrally you know, we are collective people. Like that's, that's like our super, like superpower, like getting together and that diversity. And so when we're not doing that, we're really missing out on things that are going to really elevate our, not just our lives, but our professional and our businesses and everything else like that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with all that you just said. Now, what about the black woman that is in a career or professional and 
going to this job. Now I can speak to this from my personal experience, but my answer is probably not the right answer. I'm gonna just tell you right now because <laughs> I'm not gonna even get into it. But as a professional, if there's a black woman that's listening in right now and she's just like nearing the edge of burnout, like the brink of burnout, and she's going into this job every day, either virtually or in person, but she knows that she's just like right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, are there like some tips that she can use just to even get her to the next minute, to the next day, to the next week, to give herself some space? Like, should she talk to her employer or should she like, what are some tips that maybe she can do? Yeah. So I think the, I think some, some are first like with yourself, right? So some are really understanding kind of what is the thing that you use to close your stress response cycle? Because a lot of times we're focused on the stressor, right? So it might be that stupid guy at work who's like, I can't, I cannot, right? <laughs> but actually, right, the stress response cycle, how do you close that? Do you like, is it a breathing practice? Is it talking to a friend? Is it like, what is the way that you naturally need reduce stress for yourself and for everyone it's different it might be a run for some people it might be music but first understanding and being really clear about how I can close my stress response cycle because that chronic stress that toxic stress is the fast path when it's not closed is the fast path to burnout so that's first and foremost of thinking about what that is the second really is around what is your something um, or something larger and is your profession connected to this or not? Because I think that's going to be important. If we realize like that we're in a space that we're in burnout, there means there's some misalignment. Either there's a misalignment in terms of my work complementing my zone of genius and my strengths, right? Where maybe the thing I was doing now I'm like, it's, it's, not, it's not rocket science anymore. And, you know, I'm just like going through the motions and I don't have that challenge. So is it, the strengths? Is it the values? Um, is it no longer connected to my purpose? So reevaluating kind of, is this connected anymore? And starting to say, if it's not, then yes, we definitely need to change. But if it is, you want to think about how can I actively change my environment, right? And so that means stakeholder dialogue. So that means actually having a voice and seeing, is this salvageable? Because a lot of times I know with my husband, I'm like, why did he do the dishes? Like, I don't understand. Like, but I, I didn't, I, I didn't say anything. But I'm just like, he should know. And <laughs> and sometimes we treat our jobs like that, where they're like, these foolish people. Like, they should know how they, you know, I'm doing all this, and they should, they should. But why don't we give them a reminder about this is what I need and this is the line in the sand. And if we don't see any movement, it helps. It, all, it now gives us the information rather than an assumption, but true fact, right? That these people aren't willing to change this environment. So now I got to make some transition moves. I got to figure out who are my network people in here to help me move. So you got to do some now. Once you've made that, once you've gotten that information, that is really important then for you to now shift into, okay, while I'm here, what do I do? Because I know I need to, tra I know I need to transition. And I, um, I, I do a workshop called Pivot to Your Purpose and I use pivot intentionally. I'm not a leaper. Many of us who are type A's in medicine are not leapers, but I do love some pivoting. I love some like keeping this foot here 
while I explore and start moving. And when you when you do that work, it, it starts to take that burnout away because you know that this space is not as good as it gets. Now I'm actually moving towards and making a plan towards something that is energizing me. And, you, and now you can use this space basically to be the investor into whatever, whatever that is. Um, so those are some thoughts I have particularly about that. Yeah, I'm glad that you said it because I'm not a pivoter. I just... <laughs> yes, in case there... Look, in case, I mean, I've become more riskier going into entrepreneurship, clearly. But um, yeah, like in case there are some pivoters here or people who are a little... Last, I wanted to make sure they, they know they're seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said it because that's why I said I'm not the, my solution is girl, just bye <laughs> and pack your stuff up. Get your, bo- take your box in on Monday, pack your stuff up, put in your two weeks or whatever. Just start cleaning, just make your desk empty. That's what I was doing. I was just taking all my stuff. So I did do that. I did do that. But you know, we have in medicine and academia, we have a 90 day. We have to give give a 90 day. That's deep. That's deep. That's real deep. So let me see. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone want to pop on um, live while we have such an excellent resource here and be a part of the conversation? Or if you want to drop a comment or question in the chat below, I am now monitoring the chat. I don't see anything yet, um, but I will if anyone does have anything don't be shy we don't bite but yeah these are some oh I see let me see I have a comment from oh Tiffany hey Tiffany she says this has been so helpful thank you thanks Tiffany I I am so happy I I realize I feel like you know Zora Neale Hurston and she oh gosh I love Zora Neale Hurston because she just kept it 100 and she had this and this there was this one quote that she said which was like the motivation for me she said if you're silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Mm. And and I was like, oh hell no. Okay. So everyone's gonna know what's happening. Everyone's gonna know what I'm feeling because they will. They'll be like, oh, but she was, you know, I don't know. She was fine. And all of a sudden, you know, and then I think it's so important because. Um, when we're not, when we are expressive around those things, because I think of silence, I still think of it as complicity. Honestly, I feel like all of us who kind of navigate that, like make the people comfortable, um, you know, just, just grin and bear. I think that if we're still allowing that and allow, and and also teaching those who are coming up amongst us, it allows for that system to go unchecked and it allows for people to not know and not say, or not even if they know, to not have to deal with how do I remedy this rather than kind of us being like, oh goodness, you know, these people, you know, no, these people need to know about themselves and they need to be made uncomfortable. Um, And power doesn't concede anything without a demand. And so I think starting to own that voice, even for someone who's introverted like me, like I'm a high introvert. So after this, I'm probably gonna have to like tap out for a while, but. But, you know, I think that I think it's really important to recognize what our voice can do and what it needs to do. I kind of have a mixed. I I love everything that you said. I kind of have a mixed reaction, though, because 
I, I do agree about it being complicitly uh, or like not using your voice. I think for some of us, our voice has been silenced for so long that we just don't. It, it, it's like speaking from personal experience, like when I, without giving too much backstory, it's just like some of us, our, our, our voices have just been like, we, we just, we never had a voice. Yeah. So yep. it's, it's foreign to us to speak up for ourselves it's foreign for us like we we don't think that we have the right to do that you know what I mean so it's totally yeah yeah but once you do and it's hard that first time like ladies if you're listening like to have to go in and have that conversation for example with your boss because I think that these these corporate if I could go into corporate jobs um man they just would not be able to get me out of there fast enough. But these jobs have responsibilities to their employees to to make space and and to make sure that their employees feel seen, heard, that they're not on the brink of of, of burnout. Like they have responsibilities. You know what I mean? But the thing that sucks is that some people work for jobs that they're like in an at-will state where if you even think about speaking your mind, if you even think about taking a vacation day or sick day during a certain time, like you're fired automatically. Yeah. I I understand why some people, especially if they have so much writing on it and that's what it is with our people. You know what I mean? We have so much Uh, in this country, we have so much writing on this. And I think that's why we are the ones that are disproportionately affected by burnout as moms as yeah because we have to tolerate the nonsense right and Mm -hmm. but what I will say is when I say using your voice that's one you know directly with my boss using your voice as well is also gathering the gathering the masses right and so using your voice I know so in our field right medical students medical students are seen as kind of like you know underneath everyone right they're they're just supposed to grin and bear it Mm-hmm. What I found is one, who are your sponsors, right? Who are the people who are in those levels of privilege and power that I can speak to who can now have the conversation, right? If that's an issue. Second, who are the other people with the shared experience that I'm dealing with that we can bring into the fold and come at a mass as a mass effect? Third, mm-hmm. Who are the non-marginalized people who, of course, are able to take the complaints we have, right, that go in that bucket of never to be heard again, Black people complaints, like, you know, and how how can they use their voice because they're so ready and willing, quote unquote, to be accomplices. How can they use their voice and say, actually, that thing is really important and bring it over to the priority for the organization bucket. And so when I think of speaking up, I'm thinking of kind of different ways where either it's speaking up Mm -hmm. to this person, speaking up to each other and, and bringing each other, speaking up to that guy who says he wants to help us and 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 giving him some marching orders and yeah, so yeah. yeah so those are some of the thoughts that I, I have um in terms of diversity of how we can use our voice and I love that because these people I think that not only do jobs have responsibility but so do the people around us especially the ones that are in a place of privilege mm-hmm. are in a place of power um that sees what's going on or if they are just so they, they're not aware of it because they have that privilege where everything's puppies and rainbows, you know, so everything's fine. I don't know what you're talking about, but if you're ha- having these conversations, um, 
because again, this collectively for black people, this isn't, we already do so much and we're doing everything that we can, but this is gonna take effort on the part of many people for things to really start to change. You know what I mean? And we need the people in power that can raise their hand and, and be our support and, and say, hey, this isn't this isn't right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Some people had, yeah, some people had some thoughts about yeah. book resource recommendations. I was gonna say, <laughs> yes, thank you for, for keeping it together. Um <laughs> so I think it's pronounced Lakia. Uh, she asked, do you have any book slash resource recommendations? And I see that some of our sisters got her together with some yes. stuff. Awesome. But do you have any resources that you could recommend as well? Oh my gosh. So I, so in terms of burnout, read burnout. So if you haven't read burnout, which is by Emily and Amelia Nagowski, um, they are white women, right? So they, mm-hmm. but they really go into it in a really, really good way. And I'm just like, oh, I love this. The second book, oh gosh, I only remember her first name, Shaniqua. I should know the whole thing. She has two names, but her book, Too Heavy a Yoke, um, Black Women and the Burden of Strength. That book like took me for everything I had. And just like really changed um, my life. So Too Heavy a Yoke, Black Woman and the Burden of Strength. And then the third book that I think was really important in terms of thinking about like, what is my zone of genius? What am I supposed to be doing? The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, Mm -hmm. um, right? That book, you know, is really pivotal and has been such a, I think, such a like a great space I mean and we have a book club in our um, community and it's just been exciting because we get to read these things and get to um, kind of motivate ourselves and also do some of that unlearning that you talked about um, you know which is important yeah yeah some great recommendations there let me see Nicole thank you so much for thank you to, thank you <laughs> yeah I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of myself. No, 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 no. We listen, we just we just said we are not expected to know it all, do it all. And this is what support system is all about. She had your back. She's like, let me get that name for you, sis, and drop it in the comments real quick. So she had she got you all the way together. Exactly. We are definitely here to support each other. Yes. Um, I was trying to think if I had any book recommendations. I have so many books on my Kindle that it's just not even funny. Um Um, I, I know one that kind of popped to mind for some reason is The Body Keeps the Score, which was an excellent book. Um, but just kind of talking about, like we were saying early in the conversation, when it comes to burnout, like just listening to our bodies yeah. and, and that trauma. It, it, I think that everything is just so trauma-based for us. And a lot of times we just don't realize it, like that, that because I think people have the opportunity to have like that regular, like just all over the place with my thoughts. I just keep thinking of all this stuff. Like we have this hustle culture mentality that is touted by every white man in America that I know of. And what's crazy is I was just reading before we came on and apparently Bill Gates has been doing this for years, but um, at least since 2000 and six or 2003 or something, but he takes these think weeks where he has the luxury of, and this sounds amazing to me. I'm like, how can I get a think week, baby? He (laughs) goes off to wherever, okay, this rich, rich man, and he does this several times a year and he takes a week 
to center himself and think about his business and, and new initiatives and, you know, what, whatever he's thinking with Microsoft and everything and his life and how he can bring technology to the forefront and yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'm just like, it, it, it's to be able to do that, even for some of us for even a day, like if we had a think day, cause I was like, okay, I can't do a think week. Oh, yeah. Okay. But can I do a think weekend? Yeah. So I'm Googling and I'm looking up Think Weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And article after article after article, I kid you not, are by white men. And it's so ironic. I, I didn't see not one from a black man. And I'm sure maybe, maybe there is. I just didn't see that on the pages that I, re- I saw. And definitely I didn't see any of these by a woman. And hell no, it wasn't none that popped up by a black woman, okay? <laughs> yeah. But it's ingrained in us. So not only can they, you know, make the most money, they can, you know, they're like the, I know that everybody gets burnt out, but (laughs) the fact that they can just kind of live these lives with the regular amount of stress and burnout, and then be able to take these weeks off or do these things, you know, but women, especially black women, we cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think, oh my gosh, I think there's so much to say about this because I think that one thing is right to realizing how powerful one your net, that network is your net worth claim. Like I've felt that the majority of my growth so far has really been from this idea of just remember, like tapping into the network. And I feel like we slow ourselves down and we hustle harder then we, we need to because we aren't like connected. We're, we're like, yeah, because of the, tra- like you said, the trauma and it's like, no, I can't do it. And, but it's just like, you know, it's for us to, I can't trust anybody, mm-hmm. but it's also for us to kind of think about, right. It goes back to that visioning piece. And that's why we even do this whole pivot to your purpose, because it's really about how important is this thing to you, right? How important is this that can we take the can we take the step? Can we move move towards towards that if we know that this is going to be essential? Because most of us, it's not. Um, I think that piece of the network, and then I also think it's really about us saying, well, how can I start that small? How can I even have like a, a block of time, like three hours or whatever of time? I, I know for some of the women that I got, I have a chance to work with in our community, um, I prescribe, like, can you, can you either hire someone or have your husband watch these kids for like, or a partner or a friend or whoever help you with them for two hours? Like even on the iPad, no judgment as a pediatrician, right? Like they, they're playing, doing stuff on the iPad, and you get to spend these two hours doing this, right? Like just trying to think about valuing our time and understanding that strategy. That's really when you get into that CEO mind, right? That's all yeah. you're, you're the strategist. Like I know now in my business, I'm the talent and the strategist and everything else is kind of like, you know, and starting to kind of see what the vision is and, mm-hmm. and, and being able to be wholly connected to that, but you know, understanding, yes, it's not going to start like that. But right. I think, you know, I think the pieces, even though it's not going to start like that, you know where you're going, mm-hmm. right? And so 
saying, okay, what am I, and remembering about what am I investing this, you know, in whether it be time, whether it be a little bit of discomfort, whether it be me recognizing that I'm not an expert and I got to do the beginner mind thing, like, and go back to infancy, um, how do we sit in those spaces and, and whether it be kind of letting go of the things that for a while that we'll have to let go of, right? That meaningful volunteer thing. If I'm in a transition, I might let go of it knowing it's still there just so I can get through this period, you know? So yeah, just figuring out ways that you can, mm -hmm. you know, keep going but, but in a healthy way. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I said, one of my coaches, he said, he, he gave me this wonderful acronym. He said, you know what faith it really is? Faith is finally allowing in the how. And what he meant by that was that faith means this is not an if, okay? This is now you've accepted it as a, it's going to happen. So now it's you just accepting, okay, now let, let's, let's not talk about if, let's now just talk about how. We're going to try this. We're going to try that. And it was really powerful because it helped me to realize that the work that I'm shifted into, right? I spent half of my life in school for one thing and then shifted into this completely different thing to the chagrin of, and like, you know, <laughs> raised eyebrows of like literally everybody around me. Like you do it well, you got a, you got a good job. Why don't you stick with that? Um, but when I was spoken to and told, like, this is where he's supposed to be headed, kicking and screaming, of course, this is where he's supposed to be headed. It was, and I had faith finally. It was like, yes, that is, this is it. So now I just got to figure out how it's going to happen. Cause that I just, I don't know, but we're going to try this, try that. But knowing that this is meant to be knowing that brown girl self-care is supposed to supposed to be there right it's like this is that okay so we're gonna do it this way we're gonna do it that. okay <laughs> so. that is like such a wonderful feeling like i i literally just had that feeling today or yesterday because once you you like when you know you may not have all the answers you know but you know that it, it it's gonna happen and it's just such a delicious moment, you know what I mean? And you just want to savor those moments because um, that's just a part of Black Girl Joy. So I was really excited because I had that moment just this weekend. Like, and you're, and I wasn't even worried about because I tried to go that, down that path. Like, I think we all have that resistance. Like, we feel like we have to have that. Like, there's got to be a struggle in there. There's got to be resistance in there, or it's, or it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's not right if there's not any resistance. But so my mind tried to go to a place of whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah, exactly. Well, how you, how you make it make sense? You know what I'm saying? I instantly was just like that. That doesn't matter because you just know it's going to be done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that was really a good thing for me, but yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. Tiffany said, um, oh, Tyler said, this has been so helpful. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Tyler. Um, Tiffany said, we tell ourselves that we can't and don't advocate for ourselves so that we can. I just started a four-day work week with Fridays off because I am now self-employed and can make that choice. Well, go ahead, Miss yes. That's everything. That's everything. Yes, I love that. And same for me. It's just like, I know right now I, I don't have the opportunity to do this think week, but I want to do this think weekend because you can always start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't do a think weekend, do a think half a day. 
Yep. Or exactly. a think hour. How about that? Exactly. Let me take a think hour. I unplug. I tell the kid. I make sure the kids are, put them on the iPad if you need to, or if they're napping, or get hire a nanny or babysitter. Something. Maybe go to a hotel for half a day, or overnight, and take that time where you are intentionally unplugged, because that is where those miracles, those downloads, really. When we are still, I know we're going off topic. I don't care. I feel like I'm being led to have this part of the conversation, but. That is where um, amazing things start to happen. These these thoughts you have and this connection with God is just so strong when you're in that stillness and you don't have all these distractions. And um, so I'm like, okay, maybe I think week is not in the plans for me yet, but um, I, I think weekend or I think day is definitely doable. I think we all deserve those spaces of rest where we can just think our thoughts yes. and yeah. be and not be in the state of doing. When we're in the state of doing so much, we're on this endless loop. And that's where that burnout really is just like threatening to overtake us. You know what I mean? So we need yeah. that that privilege. We, we've got to figure out how to make that a privilege for us where we can take that time of stillness. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I go back to kind of like, we're, like you said, we're human beings. We're not human beings. Mm-hmm we're human beings and right. so it's re- recognizing kind of when do I give my space space to do that and you and also trusting ourselves we've been conditioned not to trust ourselves we've been conditioned mm-hmm. to make decisions by going to google and do and this person and that person and all these things and and you know I I, I agree with that space of sitting of being with God, of just like, and knowing like, you ain't gonna get the whole answer because that's just not how I operate, unfortunately. <laughs> Why not? But if you're gonna get like the first two step, maybe, <laughs> if you've been good, like you might. And then he's like, let's see, do that. And then let's see, I'll come back. And I think it's just like, <laughs> oh God, okay, okay, please don't joke. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think the thing is really saying to yourself, when was the last time we all talk about, you know, a lot of us um, talk about prayer and talk about, you know, we're asking for this and doing this. And you think about the relationship when you just take a seat and you think about, yeah, you talking a lot. Mm-hmm. But like, think about that relationship where you with a friend, I'm with you, Brie, and I'm talking, 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 talking. And then I'm like, okay, amen, peace out. <laughs> and it's like, Brie's like, uh, well, I, uh, and that's how that's how God be feeling sometimes like with us and it's like I got the I, I was gonna give you the good stuff and we mm. are busy 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 and so that time has been absolutely essential in my entrepreneur girl because I'm like I ain't the CEO I'm not gonna take all that responsibility let me let me give that to you and you help guide this thing and I'll, I'll be the acting CEO or whatever of moving that along. But in my business, understanding that if I could take that load off and say, okay, this is going to be a part of how I want to operate because we can run our businesses any way we want to, right? That we, that we think that's the power and the freedom of it. And for me, the freedom of it was saying, ah, oh, I don't like have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, you know, I can get information from people, but I need to trust myself that I, that I was given this, this task to serve. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I need to trust myself that that wasn't given in vain. Like that was given with purpose because I'm fully equipped to make the decisions that I need to make. Getting information from other people, but not feeling like they have to guide it and trusting that I can guide it with the with with the information, with the listening and with the direction. Uh, and I don't have to do it alone. And that's been absolutely transformative because it doesn't burn me out. It makes mm. me I'm just like, oh, okay. What are we gonna do? What are we supposed to do today? Cause this is this I can't make this decision. So tell me what to do. And then we try it. I've done that so many times. Like I love how you said sometimes God is like, well, hold, hold on before you go. But you already didn't slam the door. You're back on your cell phone, back playing in games, back, or you're busy. You're generally busy because you have so much stuff to do. And he was like, well, what, what? I was going to tell you, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes we do delay because we haven't gotten that word yet. We haven't gotten that word. And so one thing that I am definitely, I try to do is have daily office hours with God, like like in the morning, daily office hours. And by hours, I mean, not a whole hours, yeah. but it could be yeah. like eight to eight thirty or eight to nine yeah. or whatever. And I do this daily devotional book, um, that talks, it talks about hours with God. I forget the name of the book though. I have it over there, but, um, and it's all about stillness. This book yeah. is about stillness, 40 days of like some kind of stillness devotional or something like that. And, um, well, now I just try to have these daily office hours with God because I know that when I am still, um, my mind calms down. I don't feel like I'm in a rush. I'm able to actually take full breaths and breathe. And um, it takes some of the panic and the stress out of the either the decisions I have to make, the decisions I've already made, um, things that are kind of looming, you know, ahead of me. And even for just that time, I just give it to him even for that hour or half hour or whatever, you know what I mean? Cause it does help with the stress and to light. And so when I'm done, even though the, the issue is still pressing, obviously, okay. There's still issues that are pressing. I'm not saying that, but I don't feel the weight of that as much, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. definitely part of self-care for me. So I have to schedule that and do that like every morning. Correct. Correct. And those brain dumps every week have been really helpful for me, which are just kind of like, and it, it some like I am a I'm an ideator, and so meaning like my brain has difficulty turning off. It has difficulty turning off, and one of the things I found is having a notebook literally everywhere, um, or just being able to dump like because that's all your that's the reason why you're not sleeping. Like your brain is like oh, like I've got to do my job, which is to remember all the things that you you think about and it's like I can't turn off because we might forget it so you're awake you're thinking and what I found and actually there's science around this is like writing it down is actually it helps to close the thought right so Mm -hmm. meaning that so thinking about if you're one of those type of people where it is like things are coming to you you got your phones we got tech you can record whatever it is but writing things down is so important um, for like giving your brain space to mm-hmm. prevent that emotional exhaustion because mm-hmm. that's not cute with like everything going. And so that's also been a, a helpful strategy as well. Mm, I love that. Writing things down, writing things down. And you make it 2D, right? Before you can make it 3D. That's how architects work, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. 
So I know that we went over a little bit and sometimes that happens, you know, we kind of start talking and, and we start getting some really good juicy nuggets. But before we go, I want to ask, first of all, did anyone else that's watching, did you have any questions, comments, anything that you wanted to ask before we kind of wrap this up? I'll just pause for just a moment and see if you do raise your hand, let me know, or go ahead and type it into the chat. I don't think so. Going in five, four, three, two, one. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay, so Dr. Omolara, how can you be reached? Yeah. How so we, so uh, my Instagram, we're putting a lot of energy into Instagram. So it's, um, my Instagram is at Melanin Medicine Co. And M-E-L-A-N-I-N Medicine and then C-O. Um, and so that is like, I has all of my links in my bio. So I'd rather kind of like keep it there, um, for, uh, to, to be very easy. But, um, one of the things I will say is that, um, if we, if you are, and if there are any black women in medicine or health professionals, we actually, every eight weeks or so, we do our pivot into your purpose workshop. And so we're registering for that. It's on April 19th and it is like a five day like, I don't know what to do into like, oh my gosh, this is like where I should be, uh, where I should, where I should, what the direction is for me and where I should be going. So it's a really beautiful space. So definitely would love to just share that with your audience too. Um, but yeah, at Melanin Medicine Co. That's the best place. You can DM awesome. me. <laughs> awesome. Slide in her DM, slide into her DMs. If you have any questions or want to connect. All right. Well, with that said, thank you so much. For, for being a guest and, and um, honoring us with your time. And also I wanna say thank you to the ladies that hung in there. I know we went over a little bit longer, like I said, but thank you so much for hopping on and being a part of this live event. I always appreciate when you guys take time out of your day to be here in community with me and my guest. In today's case, um, Dr. Om Omalara. Um, so with that said, I'll release you with love. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hope you have a blessed week. And um, yeah, I'll definitely see you soon. Have a good night. Thank you.